Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with seeing ourselves in God's light as we pick up in Job chapter 27, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. The conscious effect of God's revelation is always that of the revelation of myself to me. When I see me in God's light, then I cry, woe is me, for I am a sinful man. I see then my own wickedness. I, 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 and, and Job, when God, when he, God revealed himself, then Job cried out for forgiveness. Different story. So we need to take a, a lesson from this. Rather than building resentment by trying to make people feel guilty for what they have done, best that we just pray and ask God to bring the conviction of his spirit upon their hearts. God, reveal yourself, your righteousness to them, that they might see themselves in your light. And that will bring about a dramatic change of attitude. Whereas all of my endeavors will only create resentment and only cause the person to become more solidified in his position, maintaining his innocence and so forth. So Job's friends were totally unsuccessful in all of their arguments. Let my enemy be as the wicked and he that rises up against me as the unrighteousness. For what is the hope of the hypocrite, though he has gained, when God takes away his soul? Good question. What is the hope of the wicked man, though he has gained the whole world, when God takes away his own soul? Jesus said, what should it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his own soul? Basically, that's what Job said. Jesus was sort of reiterating what Job had said, just put it in different terms. What reward is there to the hypocrite if he gains everything when God takes away his soul? What's left then? Will God hear his cry when trouble comes upon him? Will he delight himself in the Almighty? Will he always call upon God? I will teach you by the hand of God that which is with the Almighty will I not conceal. Behold, all ye yourselves have seen it. Why then are you you altogether vain? You've seen these things. You know they're true. How come you're so empty? This is the portion of a wicked man with God and the heritage of oppressors which they shall receive of the Almighty. If his children be multiplied, it is for the sword. If the offspring shall not be satisfied with bread, those that remain of him shall be buried in death and his widows shall not weep. Though he heap up silver as dust and prepare raiment as the clay, He may prepare it, but the just shall put it on, and the innocent shall divide the silver. In other words, he's never going to be able to enjoy it. You may lay up for yourself great wealth, but who's going to spend it? When you die, whose is it going to be? You're not going to take it with you. Now, Job sees the place of the wicked and the place of the hypocrite. They they were more or less accusing Job, hey, you're, you're saying that the hypocrite and the wicked have it great. Job says, no, you misunderstand me. You know as well as I know that their day is coming 
I'm not saying that that's the way to live. I know what the end of that kind of a life is. I'm not advocating that lifestyle. Because they're going to get cut off. They're going to lose it all. They're going to get wiped out. He may prepare it, but someone else is going to put it on. The innocent will divide the silver. He builds his house as, as a moth and as a booth that the keeper makes. The rich man shall lie down, but he shall not be gathered. He opens his eyes, and he is not. Terrors take hold on him as waters. The tempest steals him away in the night, and the east wind carries him away, and he departs as a storm hurls him out of his place. For God shall cast upon him and not spare. He would fain flee out of his hand. Men shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss him out of his place. Now, Job said, turning now to a, a different vein of thought, he, he said, now, there are places where gold is discovered and silver is discovered and iron and brass. Men dig the shafts, they follow the vein of gold and so forth, and, and they mine these things out of the earth. He digs, overturns the rocks, digs his caves. The, it, it's places that the birds don't know. The vultures haven't seen it, but he follows down through the vein, finding the gold, the silver, and all. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man values gold. Man values silver. He'll sacrifice to dig gold out of the ground. He'll go down in these dark shafts. He'll get all grubby and dirty in order that he might find the treasure of gold, the treasure of silver. But where is wisdom found? Where is the place of understanding? Man knows not the price, neither is it found in the land of the living. The depth saith, it's not in me. The sea says, it's not with me. It cannot be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. Wisdom understanding more valuable than this gold. You can't buy it for gold. Can't be purchased for silver. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir or with the precious onyx or the sapphire. The gold and the crystal cannot equal it, and the exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of pearls, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia shall not equal it, neither shall it be valued with pure gold. Whence then cometh wisdom? Where does it come from? And where is the place of understanding? Seeing it is hid from the eyes of all living and kept closed from the fowls of the air. Destruction and death say, we have heard the fame thereof with our ears, but God understands the way thereof, and he knows the place thereof. For he looks to the ends of the earth, and he sees under the whole heaven to make the weight for the winds, and he weighs the waters by measure. And when he has made a decree for the rain and the way of the lightning and the thunder, then did he see it and declare it, and he prepared it. Yea, he searched it out. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Wisdom, more valuable than jewels, than gold. You can't buy it. 
wisdom and understanding. Men know how to find gold. They know how to mine it out of the ground. But wisdom and understanding, where can it be found? With God is wisdom. With God is understanding. And God has declared it. And this is God's declaration. The fear of the Lord. To reverence God. That is wisdom. And to depart from evil. That is understanding. Tremendous. Moreover, Job continued. He's got a lot to say. Bildad was run out, so Job thought, well, I'll just keep going on. Oh, and, and now it's, it's sort of a lament of the days before all of his afflictions, looking back and remembering the past glory that he had. Oh, that as I were in the months that, were, that are past, in the days when God was preserving me, when his candles shined upon my head and when his light, in his, by his light, I walked through darkness. As I was in the days of my youth, when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were about me. And now Job makes a reference to his children the ten of them were all killed in that accident, and he remembers the beautiful day when the little children, his ten children, were round about him on his knee and, 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 you know, coming around him. When I washed my steps with butter and the rock poured me out rivers of oil. When I went out to the gate through the city, when I prepared my throne in the street, the young men, they saw me and they hid themselves and the aged arose and stood up for me. The princes refrained talking and they laid their hand on their mouth. The nobles held their peace and their tongue uh, stuck to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard me, then it blessed me, and when the eye saw me, it gave witness to me, because, now Job is answering these accusations, that the false accusations that were made against him, and he's telling what he actually was doing. Because I delivered the poor that cried, and the fatherless, and him that had none to help him. The blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem. I was eyes to the blind. I was feet to the lame. I was a father to the poor. And the cause which I knew not, I searched out. And I broke the jaws of the wicked, and I plucked the spoil out of his teeth. Then I said, I shall die in my nest, and I shall multiply my days as the sand. My root was spread out by the waters, and the dew lay all night upon my branch. My glory was fresh in me, and my bow was renewed in my hand. Unto me men gave ear, and they waited. They kept silence at my counsel. And after my words they spoke not again, and my speech dropped upon them. And they waited for me as the rain, and they opened their mouth wide as for the latter rain. If I laughed on them, they believed it not. In the light of my countenance they cast not down. I chose out their way and sat chief, and I dwelt as a king in the army, and one that comforteth the mourners. So Job speaks of the former glory. People used to come to him for advice and counsel. They hearkened to his words. He was held in honor and esteem by all of them. But now, chapter 30, he tells of the present condition. And just as glorious as was the past, so 
depressing is the present. But now, they that are younger than I have me in derision, whose father I would have disdained to set with the dogs of my flock. Yea, whereto might the strength of their hands profit me in whom old age was perished? For want and famine they were solitary, fleeing into the wilderness in former times desolate and waste, who cut up mallows by the bushes and juniper roots for their meat. They were driven forth from among men. They cried after them as after a thief to dwell in the cliffs and the valleys and caves of the earth and in the rocks. These, these people are just the offscouring of the earth. Among the bushes they brayed under the nettles that were gathered together. They were children of fools, yea, children of base men. They were viler than the earth. And now I am their song. Yea, I am their byword. They're looking down on me. They abhor me. They flee far from me. They spare not to spit in my face. Spitting, of course, is an is a insult in the Orient. It's an insult anyway. You spit in a guy's face, I suppose. But uh, in the Orient, it is a sign of, of great disdain. Many times walking in Israel through the old city, you can see hatred in the eyes of some of the Arabs there. And as you go by, they'll spit. Sometimes they'll spit on you. But it's just a, a sign of utter contempt and disdain. It's about the worst insult that the Oriental can heap upon you is to spit on you. We have a friend who went to Okinawa as a missionary. And there was a lot of anti-American feeling on Okinawa after the war. And his little boy, who was in first grade, had to go to an all-Oriental school. And every day when his little boy would come home from school, they'd have to bathe him because he was covered with spit all over his body. As, as the children were showing their hatred and disdain of the ugly American. And, and the dad was so torn up and upset over it, he was thinking about just leaving the mission field. And his little boy said, no, Daddy. He said, I'm doing it for Jesus, and it's all right with me. And he said, I'm just praying that the Lord will help them to know his love, and maybe I can show it to them. But he said it was sickening as the poor little kid would get home from school just covered head to toe. Kids would spit on him. And, and so Job speaks of this horrible thing. And, of course, it wasn't just the mouth saliva. It would be the f***ing time. <laughs> Sorry about that, honey. I just, just facts are facts. My wife doesn't like me to say things like that, but, you know, you might as well know the truth, even though it's ugly. 
Because he hath loosed my cord and afflicted me, talking about God, because God has afflicted me, they have also let loose the bridle before me. Upon my right hand rise the youth. Now here's what these kids were doing. Rotten little kids. They push away my feet. In other words, they trip me as I'm walking along. And they raise up against me the ways of their destruction. They mar my path. They set forward my calamity. They have no helper. They came upon me as a wide breaking in of waters. In the desolation, they rolled themselves upon me. Terrors are turned upon me. They pursue my soul as the wind, and my welfare passes away as a cloud. And now my soul is poured out upon me, and the days of my affliction have taken hold upon me. My bones are pierced in me in the night season, and my sinews take no rest. By the great force of my disease is my garment changed. It binds me about as the collar of my coat. He hath chosen me into the, he hath cast me into the mire, and I am become like dust and ashes. I cry unto thee, and you do not hear me. I stand up, and you don't regard me. You have become cruel to me with your strong hand. You've opposed yourself against me. You lift me up to the wind, and you cause me to ride upon it and dissolve my substance, for I know that you will bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. How be it? He will not stretch out his hand to the grave, though they cry in his destruction. Did not I weep for him that was in trouble? Was not my soul grieved for the poor? When I looked for good, then evil came unto me. And when I waited for light, there came darkness. My bowels boiled and rested not. The days of affliction prevented me. I went mourning without the sun. I stood up and cried in the congregation. I am a brother to the dragons, a companion to owls. My skin is black upon me and my bones are burned with heat. My harp also is turned to mourning and my organ into the voice of them that weep. Oh, what a sad, tragic condition this Job was in from this position of honor, esteem, and all to the, to the bottom, just absolutely to the bottom. In chapter 38, light finally comes. So cheer up. <laughs> We're going to get out of this hole. But oh, how long many times. We go through bitter experiences that we cannot understand. And while we are in those experiences, it always seems forever. They say that time is relative, and I'm convinced of that. If you're having an extremely pleasurable experience, an hour can go by so quickly. But if you're hurting, an hour seems like eternity. The relativity of time. Job, going through these experiences, seemed like forever, even as sometimes as you are going through trials and testings, it seems like forever. Oh, God, why? And if we did not have, as Job, basic foundational truths undergirding us, Surely we would fall. 
So one thing the book of Job really brings out and enforces in our minds is the necessity of the foundational truths being established within our lives. God is good. God is righteous. God loves me. I know that. What I don't know is why, when he loves me, he allows certain things to happen to me. He allows me to experience sorrows, griefs, pain. But I must just be satisfied with the fact that I know he does love me. And nothing comes to me but what it isn't filtered through his love. God knows the way that I take. And when I am tried, I'm going to come out like gold. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Job on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Job 27-30 through 30 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Father, we thank you for your love and for your goodness. Be patient with us, Father, as we seek to understand that which cannot be understood by us, your ways, your purposes, your dealings. But Lord, may we walk in your love. And may your spirit increase our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. 
Have you ever thought about this simple phrase, God loves you? This just might be the most important truth you could ever grasp, that God has called you into a loving relationship with himself. Unfortunately, many of us have been brought up to think that we need to earn God's love. In Chuck Smith's book, Why Grace Changes Everything, Pastor Chuck imparts years of wisdom from his own experiences, how he thought he had to work hard and deny his own desires for God to love him. But when he unlocked the secret to God's grace, this changed everything. Come alongside Pastor Chuck to discover an astonishing truth about your relationship with Jesus Christ. That it's not based upon your works, but based upon God's love for you. It's true. Grace changes everything. To find out more and to read a preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order this book in print, call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673.